Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. Okay, so I was thinking this morning about what I wanted to talk about. And I just traveled to Nashville. I was in Nashville from Thursday through Sunday. And there were a lot of things that fell heavy on my heart while I was in Nashville and things that I saw and, and ways that I perceived the world that usually when I'm out in the world, I get so much inspiration because I'm connected with my ideal person. I'm connected with like, I guess like my customer, if you will, my ideal person who I can help the person who I'm passionate to help. It's all of you guys. It's everyone who gets on live, who listens to the recording people who know that they were made for more. They don't really know what that looks like, or maybe they do, but they have a hard time following it. They want to be closer to God. They want to learn about their purpose. You ultimately want to experience joy not happiness. It's different than happiness. And you want to experience fulfillment and purpose. That's like the underlying goal here that we want to achieve. And so anytime I go into the real world and I go on vacation or I connect with people at my church, uh, I really get inspired because I get to see how people live. I get to hear the words that come out of their mouth. And I know when I've listened to other people's podcasts or people that I follow online, like, um, I always think like, what would Tony Robbins think about this? Or I wonder what he does throughout the day. Or I wonder what it would be like to hang out with Mel Robbins. Like, I wonder if she would just like call you out on everything or, you know, you kind of have this, like, I wonder what these people are like and what I'm like in the real world and what I'm like around a group of people is exactly how I am on my podcast, but it's all internalized. So I can, I kind of watch things and I watch people and I watch things happening from a distance And I can see the traumas in people's life. I can see their triggers. I can see why they're acting a certain way because I have done the work for myself and I've had to overcome a lot of things and really see the world for, you know, the brokenness that it is. But I couldn't believe the amount of things that I was witnessing and seeing. And I just wanted to wake people up. I wanted to like walk around the pool that I was at and be like, Hey, like, let, let's talk about your insecurity or let's talk about your negativity or let's talk about your drinking. I did a podcast a couple episodes ago about sobriety. You need to listen to it because I've never seen the devil have such a stronghold on people's lives. And when they're drinking and I was just blown away last night, talking to my husband about the city of Nashville and seeing, I'm like, it is, it's like so sad out there. It's now, yes, Nashville is filled with inspiration. And I've been there a bunch of times and I've talked all about the amazingness of it. And it's a beautiful city to go to, but seeing that type of world that so many people live in, like, like the city, like thinking of like a busy city, 
really to me is I just felt like the city is so full of distractions. And when you have more people and more things to do, you're more distracted. And me, someone who considers themselves to be extremely close to God and have a very close relationship with him felt so far away with so much noise and loudness and busyness around me. And it was really hard to stay connected to my beliefs and my truths and my morals and who I am and what I love to do. And it was really easy to start to kind of sway away from that and get irritated with people and judge people and be annoyed because the waiter wasn't fast enough or they messed up. Or I just felt like this spirit of darkness was kind of over me for a few days. And I started thinking this morning about how many people actually struggle with this because you may call yourself a Christian. You may believe that you are a Christian and and you are not questioning your faith because you can be a Christian, but we all struggle with sin. But if you are not careful, the devil will wedge you with God and a wedge starts at a very small, 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 small point of separation. And then as it grows, it pushes you further and further away. So be careful of the wedges in your life. And that's why I want to talk about this is because I don't want to just condemn you or talk about how I felt condemned because I didn't. I want to talk about the fact that we are called to be set apart from this world and how we become hypocrites without even realizing it. And then I want to talk about why we're becoming hypocrites and what we need to do to kind of change this. Because I don't want to just tell you what's wrong. I want to tell you how to fix it and how to be more forward thinking and more intentional on your life. And so I started looking up some scriptures about being set apart. And what is, what does the Bible say about being set apart? And there's a couple of them. One says in second Timothy verse two, he says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel festival. Oh my gosh. He will be a vessel for honorable use set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house and ready for every good work. So if you are not cleansing yourself from what is dishonorable, you won't be able to be used in the way that God wants you to be used. Now, can he still use you? Of course, you don't need to be perfect for God to use you. But if you're not cleansing yourself from what is dishonorable, which I'm going to talk about what's dishonorable in a second, Because we think dishonorable is like, oh, like cheating on my husband, um, stealing, um, just any, like any of these like big things, like getting wasted, doing drugs. But you know what? There's a lot more that's dishonorable that we're all doing that we don't really see that it's darkness. Um, Romans 12, two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. When I was in the city, I felt like I was being conformed. And it's hard to not be conformed. So you really need to make sure where you're going and who you're going with at all times because you want to be kept safe. So you really, like you need to keep yourself safe. Do not be conformed. If you're not strong enough to not conform, you need to not go. You need to not do things. Like if you are trying to stop drinking so much, maybe don't go on a girl's night to the bar because you know you're going to be tempted. Maybe say, hey, can we get breakfast instead? Or can we do lunch on a patio instead? Do something different so you're not tempted. There's lots of things that you can do without telling people, oh, I'm not drinking anymore. 
and kind of like spotlighting yourself on that. But just be careful that you're strong enough or you pray yourself up to be strong enough to go out into the world. Um, First Peter says in 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Again, we're set apart. We're support, we're called out of the darkness. So if we're still experiencing these dark tendencies or these dishonorable things that we're doing, we are not really living out of in the light. We're still living in darkness. And that's not who God called us to be. And he also says, you shall be holy for I am holy. And you might think like, okay, well, if you're holy and I should be holy, it's impossible to be holy. I don't want anyone to ever think that they have to be holy in their own strength because you can't, you cannot, you cannot change your flesh. It is the sin that is deep within you. And it is so hard to not sin. Nobody is without sin. So in first Corinthians, it says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. So where it says you shall be holy for I am holy because you have the Holy Spirit, you are now holy if you give that control. So you do have the ability to do this, but you have to recognize it. And then you have to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Now, you want to ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and convict you of anything that is happening that is dishonorable to God or is unholy. And if you start saying that, I would actually write that down so you don't forget Write that down so that you can look at that and keep praying. Holy Spirit, convict me of anything that is dishonorable or unholy to God. Open my eyes so that I see it immediately when it's happening. Because if you can keep praying that and keeping that at the forefront of your mind, I promise you, the first day you start praying that, you will start to be convicted of things that you're doing. You're snappy at your husband, you'll feel convicted. You tell a little white lie, you feel convicted. You're road raging at the person in front of you because you cannot believe that they're going 70 in the fast lane, get out of the fast lane. That is dishonorable. You're being impatient, having rage. If you're being rude to people, I saw this so often this weekend, just being flat out rude to people, rude to the servers, rude to the bartenders, rude to people on the street, judging the amount of judgment that happens in life. Are you a judgmental person? Are you looking at others and always judging them? And I can't believe they did this or gossiping. And I was a big one of gossip with my husband. I didn't really gossip with anyone else. Uh, With my mom, I did too. So it was like my mom and my husband. And I felt like they were like my people. They were like my safe people. You know, they're not going to judge me for gossiping. They know my true heart. They know who I am. We're just kind of talking. We're just getting it out there. And I listened to a sermon one time with, um, transformation church with Michael Todd. And he talked about this and he said, no, 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 no. The Bible doesn't say that you're allowed to say unwholesome words and you're allowed to gossip with your people. You're not supposed to say it at all. And that really opened my eyes to realize that gossiping about people is bad. So if you're claiming to be a Christian and you follow the Lord and you're living in lightness, but you're, but you're gossiping about people, you go to a party and you come home and you talk about everyone that was there 
you go on a trip, you come home, you talk about everything that happened there, not just sharing stories, but gossiping. I can't believe she said this. I can't believe he did that. Oh my gosh. Did you see what she was wearing? Did you see what she's doing? And then yeah, her son and now, yeah, her marriage and her, if that's you, that is wrong. And again, I'm not condemning you, but I want to open your eyes to see that this is an area where the devil is wedging you against God. Uh, it's pride month. It's, it's pride month. Okay. And down in Nashville, this was a pride weekend parade. I heard and saw Christians. I know that people are Christians say the worst things about people like, oh my gosh, I can't believe there's gay people here or what, or like comments like that, that literally like broke my soul. Hearing people be hateful towards other groups of people because you don't agree with what they're doing. And I hear Christians talk about this all the time. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. And if you are judging someone else for their sin, you're, you're judging yourself and you're, you're being a hypocrite. And this is where Christians get this bad term is because hypocrisy is a person who claims beliefs that his or her actions don't conform to. So we ourselves call ourselves Christians, but we don't act like it because the Bible says to love everyone, to not gossip ever, to not judge people, to be patient, to be kind. And if you're not doing these things, then you are being hypocrite. Even calling someone a hypocrite is hard as being a hypocrite because we all are falling short of this. We're all struggling with this. I want to shine the light and I want to expose things that are inside of you that you don't realize that are there, that are keeping you from the closeness in the love of God that he has for us. Because we don't realize that these things are even here, that they're underlying, that they're bothering us, that they're they're causing us to get out of relationship with Jesus. And so we need to learn how to walk the walk. It's not just about talking and saying all these things about how great we are. Or, oh, I went to church and I'm, I love God. It, all of that. I want to get rid of all of that because I want to start seeing people walking the walk. Show me with your actions that you're a Christian. By the way, my mom told me one time, she said, if someone were to and she said to this when I was a teenager, she said, if someone were to be out there killing Christians, if they were like, okay, I'm coming into your town and I'm going to kill all the Christians that are in the town, would these people know that you're a Christian by your actions? Would they know by what you post? Would they know by how you dress, how you carry yourself, how you talk? Would they be able to tell, yeah, she's different. She's different. I didn't, I didn't hear her talk nasty like everyone else did. I didn't see her falling down on the ground drunk like everyone else was. I didn't see her throwing herself at men like everyone else was. I didn't see her talking bad and gossiping about other people when other people were. That's what we're supposed to be is set apart and different so that people know our ways and they say, yep, she's a Christian. I can tell. And it's hard. It's really hard to walk this walk, especially when you have all these other influences. So why are we hypocrites? Because I care more about the why in everything than everything else. When I start talking to someone about the struggles in their life or what's really, what is the hardest part of their life right now that they're experiencing? In what area are you struggling the most in? Is it with your faith, with your friendships, with your finances, with your career, with your husband, with your health? Where are you struggling the most right now? 
And I want to figure out why. So if your marriage is the biggest issue in your life right now, why? And you probably don't know why. And that's my favorite thing about coaching people is I can pull things out of people and show them like the problem isn't your marriage. It's actually this, or the problem isn't your health. It's actually this, or the problem isn't your finances. It's actually this. You do this because of the way that you think or because of the way you were programmed. And so, okay, we're, we're all hypocrites. We can see that. We know that we sin. We know that we're not the best at doing things. And I get road rage too. And I gossip too. And I'm hateful towards people and I have attitudes and I'm disrespectful to my husband. Sometimes I do this too. So I don't want you to think that I'm just preaching this message to you, telling you to stop being a hypocrite and you need to change because I need to change too. And so the first thing, there's four things, uh, five things actually that we, of why we are hypocrites. And so the first reason why is because we compare ourselves. So I, I want you to know that you're not a bad person if you're doing any of these things, but you're doing them for a reason. And so the reason why you're doing this, the first one is comparing. We think like, oh, well, I'm not as bad as that person. Like, well, I didn't, I didn't cheat on my husband. Well, I'm not, I'm not talking like that. I'm not, I'm not spending money like that. I'm not. And we just compare ourselves um, or you're let down by others. Like you look up to someone, this happened to me. I really looked up to someone in a spiritual way and um, they were a spiritual mentor to me. And I just really looked at them with just such honor and envy almost. And then I saw this person sin and fall short. And I got to know them more and more and more. And I saw that they were more just like the world and this whole like, this whole like image, I was like, oh, is this like not who this person is? Then like, this isn't who they really are. This is just who they're pretending to be. And that really bothered me. I was like, oh, is anyone out there as strong as they say they are? Does anyone act like that? And what I was doing by that, it was really just giving myself like, oh, well, I guess I'm just like everyone else. So this is fine. And we need to compare ourselves to Jesus and what he says, not to others around us. Because if someone is the pastor of a church and we see this happen all the time and they commit adultery, what happens to that church? What happens to that pastor? I mean, people just, people walk away from the church. They walk away from faith. I can't believe it. That place is full of a bunch of hypocrites. It's just the way the devil is getting you to be offended and to walk away from God. It's conforming too. like, well, everyone else is doing it. So not only are you comparing yourself, but now you're like, well, everyone else is doing this thing. So it's fine. And I can do this too, because I mean, the whole world does this. Another reason why you could be a hypocrite is you're not extending grace and forgiveness to other people. And it's almost this feeling of we're afraid to be taken advantage of. Like, oh no, you're not going to treat me like this or don't tell me what to do or you're not going to speak over me. It's this like, you're not going to take advantage of me. I'm going to have my own back. And if you have trauma around these things, it makes it even harder because now you have learned to put up that wall because of your abandonment issues that you now are taking care of yourself and no one's going to wrong me. But what you do in that is that you don't extend grace to people. And what I saw a lot of times that happened in Nashville was like a bartender would be ignoring you. Like you're at the bar, you're trying to, I was trying to get a water at this one place. And I'm like, great. They're not going to even give it to me because they have all these other people that they're trying to serve. And, and it's so busy and crazy. And 
they would ignore me. And the one girl I asked for a water three times and she still, she was like, okay, okay. And never gave it to me. And I was so mad. And I was like, I don't even want to eat here anymore. I don't even want to be here. I don't want to spend any money. I just felt like so taken advantage of. And I felt like my spirit kind of hardened. I got irritated with everyone that was around me. I just, I felt like all I wanted to do was come home. I just, it was like so quickly I was triggered and it's because I felt like I was being taken advantage of. I felt like people weren't taking care of me. And really as a Christian, I am taken care of. And God says that all judgment is his and every single person on this earth will get what they have coming to them. We are not the judge. Jesus is the only person who deflected the judgment from us and now God is is there to judge and we also focus on people's actions and respond to those instead of focusing on Christ so we're so focused on the action that's taking place and how it's triggering us that we're missing how we're supposed to be with Christ another reason why you could be a hypocrite is pride you feel like others don't deserve it like we do. Like they don't deserve that we do. And it's really hard when you struggle with pride because it's kind of like overpowers you and you think these things and you don't want to think these things, but you, but you are. And the only way that I've found to get over pride is to completely surrender and give it all to God and just let the Holy Spirit work through me to change that and to soften my heart. Because to me, I feel like pride really, pride really is present in my life when I see people, or I guess when I used to, because I don't really feel like this anymore. But when I used to see people succeeding in something, I would, I would get a little angry a little bit on the inside. Like, oh my gosh, that person doesn't even work as hard as I do. They don't even sacrifice as much as I do. They're not even as good as I am. They haven't even done it as long as I've been doing it. It's this like righteousness of like, oh, like I'm, I deserve more or I, I worked harder so I should have more, which actually isn't true. We, we don't deserve anything. It's grace that we're given anything that we have. But if we feel like others don't deserve it like we deserve it, it's just going to cause bitterness. It's going to cause you to be offended. You're going to be judging leads to gossip. Like it's just a big thing with pride. Um, the number fourth thing of why we are hypocritical is unforgiveness. And I kind of made this one its own category because this one is just huge. And I see so many people that hold on to so much unforgiveness inside of them. It is literally making them sick. It is making them miserable it is making them sick. It is ruining the relationships. It is flowing into all the other areas of their life. And it's just really, really, really toxic. But if you're hard on yourself, when you mess up, you're going to be hard on others. So that's how I am. I'm very hard on myself when I mess up. And so I'm hard on others when they mess up too. And I don't want to forget that. So when someone messes up, and you should offer them forgiveness. Maybe someone's messed up. Maybe you got in a fight with your husband. He said something he shouldn't have, or your kids did something and you're really mad at them or a coworker or yourself. And you're holding on to this unforgiveness. I had a ton of unforgiveness around my biological father. 
from abandoning me and I held on to it forever and it was so much inside of me. And then when I quit my um, career industry that I was just in and I left in August, I had a ton of unforgiveness for the people that were in that group because they felt like they hurt me and they abandoned me and they tricked me and they used me. And I just, it was like tearing me up on the inside. I just had so much unforgiveness. And so what I learned is when someone messes up, instead of condemning it and being so angry and mad, encourage them, encourage them. We're actually called to be encouragers. And this is one of my spiritual gifts that I have is encouragement. And so I looked up some scriptures on encouragement and Proverbs 27, 17 says as iron sharpens iron. So one person's person sharpens another. We are called to sharpen other people. Uh, Matthew 5, 14 says you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glory your father in heaven. Glorify your father in heaven. So being encouragement, showing people that you're forgiving is better because you're shining your light for everyone to see. And that is shown through Christ. People can see that you're a Christian because you forgive because you shine your light and that glorifies God. It really does. When you receive that forgiveness, it really does show that for someone. Um, Hebrews 10, 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So every day we're supposed to be encouraging each other more and more and more and more, but the world doesn't really encourage each other. The world tears each other down. The world gossip, the world is clawing at each other to get to the top of something. It's almost like there's not enough room for everyone to be successful. So we, we backbite and we do all of these things and it's not scriptural. We are called to be an encourager. When is the last time you encourage someone? Something that I do that I absolutely love to do because I love to see the look on people's faces when I do it. It's like, it fills my tank so much is if I see someone doing something out in public that I really think is great, I tell them. So in Nashville, it was really fun because people are performing all over their place. They're trying their hardest. They're doing all kinds of stuff. So the next time you just are aware of someone doing a good job, tell them. If you have a server that is just above and so good, tell her that. Tell her, you know what? I just want to tell you, you are such a good waitress. This was amazing. Thank you so much for being here and doing this. Like you were so good. The way that their face lights up, you would just be blown away. It is better than even leaving a huge tip. Like people just, they just explode with this joy, with this like light that comes through them. There was a girl at the pool who is um, DJing this like day mix and it was just super chill, really great vibe. I love, I am a huge lover of music. So just hearing her mix these beats together and it was, it was so great. And then to see her, how she acted, like how she carried herself and you could tell that she just was in her element and this is what she was created to do. And she was this beautiful, beautiful woman with really long braids and just so cute. And when she left, I was sitting at this chair and she was walking out and I grabbed her and I said, Hey, I just want to tell you 
you did such a great job up there. I can tell that you were made to do this. This like comes from your soul. And I just want to tell you, like, I recognize that. And she just like, she just had this huge smile on her face. And she was like, oh my gosh, you have no idea. Like, thank you so much for saying that. That just made my day. I'm playing at a show tonight. You should come. And I was just thinking, I wonder how much better she's going to play at this show now that she had this encouragement, that she had this push. Another woman I saw, I could tell that she was feeling very insecure and she had, she just kept like changing her clothes like over and over. Um, we were kind of like watching her at this pool and she kept like going in her room and changing, coming out. And I could just tell she was insecure. I could see that in her, her insecurity. And she was beautiful, like naturally beautiful, had super, super, super short hair, a bucket hat on, no makeup this cute like pea green outfit like just looked adorable and I went and told her and I was like hi you're probably gonna think this is so weird but I just want you to know that you are literally beautiful you are like breathtakingly beautiful and her tears filled with her eyes filled with tears and she said you have no idea how much I needed to hear that and I said well I just gotta tell you like you are seriously the cutest thing I've ever seen being, being encouraging to people, it's literally like life or death. Being an encourager, telling your kids when they mess up, like, hey, it's okay. I, I mess up all the time. Yeah, it's okay. I just spilled that. I just spilled iced tea yesterday and dropped it and it went all over the floor. It's okay. No problem. Accidents happen. Being encouraging to someone and offering that kind of forgiveness is just so, it's just such a gift and people don't do it as often. One of the girls that were, that was traveling with me, she said, oh my gosh, more people need to be encouraging like you are. Like she saw me do this and saw these people to come to life. And she's like, I'm going to do this more often. And then I saw her compliment, encourage other people because I was doing it. And it, it kind of like bled onto her. And that's what good things do when we act in this way. And we act with love and with the light good things happen because we are good to them. We offer forgiveness and grace and encouragement. So because these people experience it, now they go and they change the world. That's how you change the world. So many people think like, I want to change the world. Like, what do I got to do? I got to do something big. I got to, I got to do something huge. Like, no, it starts with you. It starts inside of you. It starts by changing the things that suck about your personality giving them to God and giving it to the Holy spirit and saying, change me. I don't want to be short tempered. I don't want to gossip. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be someone who's saying white lies all the time. I didn't think that I lied. Like I truly, I used to be a huge liar. Like when I was a drug addict loser back in the day, I used to lie about everything. So when I got sober, I could not lie. I was like, I just cannot I can't lie. And I would tell so many people that I'd be like, I just, I can't, I can't lie for you. Don't ask me to bend the truth. Don't ask me to just say that, that like, I cannot. And if I hear other people lie, like my husband or my kids, I just like have no tolerance for it. But I started praying that the Holy spirit would open my eyes and show me areas of my personality that are hidden, that I don't notice, expose them and convict me. And I started noticing all these little white lies that I say, like, like, like really easy ones. Like, um, I was ordering my new retainers and I was like, yeah, well, I sent like a bunch of emails and I didn't hear back from anybody. I didn't send a bunch of emails. I sent one email 
but I exaggerated and said a bunch of emails. So it would make it sound better. And as I was typing it, I was like, okay, I need to like erase this. <laughs> like, like, I can't like, I, okay, I can't say this. Like a bunch didn't happen. Just little things like that, where I'm like, that's wrong. That didn't happen. Or I'll say like, oh yeah, I got home at six, but really I got home at like 6.45. Like who am I even betting the truth for? And what does it even matter? There's a lot of things that we do that we just lie. These little things that they don't matter. It, nobody would be mad at us if, it, if we just told the truth on it. It either makes us look better. It exaggerates it a little. It, whatever we're doing it for this underlying reason, we need to just be aware of it. And we need to pray that we're convicted and we just stop doing it in the middle of it. Being an encourager, though, you start with yourself and you need to start with encouraging yourself and encouraging your family around you and working on the areas of your own life that are struggling. That will change the world. That will change the world. If you have a failing marriage and you don't deal with it and work on it and go to therapy and get professional help and get involved in a church with your spouse and start going into mentorship meetings or marriage meetings or taking marriage classes or something. If you don't start working on this and having people pray for you and praying over your marriage every day and doing all of these things, you're not going to be able to make a huge impact in the world because of what you're modeling for your children. And what you're showing your children every single day about you fighting with your husband or saying nasty things to him or him saying nasty things to you or whatever's going on, you're not going to be able to make the change. So don't always think that you need to change the world. Think of how do, how does my house need to change? How do these four walls need to change? Do you just condemn your children and yell at them when they're doing the wrong thing and make them feel terrible? and call them stupid, or why would you do this, or you're so annoying, or you're so irritating, or you're so irresponsible, or you're just speaking that like negativity over them. Like, is that what you're doing? Or are you encouraging your kids? Because we're always called to just be encouraging all the time. And to love one another and to, to build each other up. There's enough darkness, there's enough condemnation, there's enough of that filth that is going to conform you we need more people that are encouraging, more people that are saying, hey, good job. You're awesome. Just messaging someone. If someone comes to your mind right now when you're thinking about this, like someone that you look up to, someone who is trying to do something, they're trying to start their career or start a business or they're trying to start a family or be a present mom or whatever they're doing. If you can see that they're doing a good job, send them a text and say, Hey, I just want to tell you, I was thinking about you today and you're just doing such a good job at this motherhood thing, or you're doing such a good job. You watch like me just saying that makes me feel teary. And you'll, you'll see people that just melt in front of you. When you tell them, Hey, good job at being a server. You'll just see a melt like, Oh my gosh, thank you. And it's just such an amazing feeling. The fifth reason why we are hypocrites is because we judge and label people. So if you struggle with being offended and if you struggle with judgment, if you, if you judge people, you're probably also struggling with being offended. The book, The Bait of Satan by John Bevere is an amazing book. And I've talked about it several times because it's one of my favorite ones. The Bait of Satan, it talks all about having this offended spirit and how the devil has a stronghold on your life. 
the next time that you're judging someone or you're labeling someone, I want you to ask yourself if you have done anything similar. If you've ever done anything similar to what this person has done to you or what this person has done. So let's say someone's like falling down drunk at the bar and I'm watching them and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you're making a fool of yourself. I am so embarrassed for you. I can't believe you're acting like this. I have done that. I'm not proud of that, but I have done that. I have been in those shoes and I know what it's like to be in that situation. Um, if you can't think of something that you've been, that you've done like this, like you're like, I've never done this before. Maybe someone like cheats on you or they lied to you or something. You're like, I would never do that to someone. Um, don't let pride get in the way of like, I would never do that. But instead think of something that you've been forgiven for. Think of something that you've done, a sin that you've committed that God has forgiven you for. Because you might not have done the same thing that this person did to you or is doing in general that you're judging them for, but you have done other things and God has forgiven you and he has not judged you for them. We're called to forgive and to not hold grudges. That's hard to do. That is really, really hard to do, but there's two things that you can do. So if you are someone who is just always focusing on this, like you always are judging someone, you're, you're labeling people. It's something you really struggle with. There's two things that I want you to read. The first one is to read Exodus 20. And Exodus, so I think everyone, even if you don't, I mean, I'm sure most people do struggle with judging others and, and unforgiveness, being offended and holding grudges. It's just kind of in our spirit. So I think that everyone should read, your homework should be to read Exodus 20. It's only one chapter. It's very short. It's the 10 commandments. And I want you to, even if you know all of them and can recite them, I want you to read Exodus 20 and read it slow. Do like the slow roll read where you really look at every single word. And if there's a word that you read that you don't know what it means, then go and look at the definition of the word. And I circle the word in my Bible if I don't know what it means. And I'll write a little arrow and I'll write the definition of what it says. So I can like put a new word in there so I can reread it and it makes more sense. Really read it. It tells you God's 10 commandments. So if you have a hard time thinking of any sin that you've ever done or anything similar you've ever screwed up on by reading Exodus 20, you'll see that probably almost every single commandment you have broken. I know I have almost every single one of them, if not all of them. No, I haven't murdered anybody. So <laughs> there's a couple maybe that I haven't done, but a lot of them I have. And I was reading them. I was like, oh my gosh, I've like done almost all of these things. Like that is eye-opening. It really is humbling. And it makes you see to set your pride aside. You're, 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 we don't have this entitlement. We're not as good as we think we are. We might be better than some, but don't compare yourself because that's only getting you into hypocrisy. Focus on your standards to Jesus and what Jesus says we should be. You need to read these 10 commandments. Really, really read them. I'm even going to print them out and put them on my fridge because I'm like, why don't I just know these off the top of my head? And if I don't know these, my kids don't know these and they need to see what God instructs us to do. The second part of your homework is to read Matthew chapters five through seven. And this is the Sermon on the Mount. 
So this is the first uh, sermon that Jesus spoke to a huge group of people. This is when he exposed himself as the Messiah because he lived here for about 30 years without telling anyone who he was. His, his family knew, but he didn't want it to get out that he was the Messiah yet. He just kept saying it wasn't time. It wasn't time. And then he was like, you know what, Matthew, it's time. Assemble the people. And he told his disciples, go and assemble the crowds. I'm ready. And he went away. He went into the desert and he or went out into the woods, desolate area, and worked on this sermon for days. And he's like, it needs to be perfect. I, I have a message. My father wants to deliver a message. And the message is what's preached in Matthew 5 through 7. And if you've watched the movie, The Chosen, this is how the very last episode ends is him preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And he was standing with Matthew and he was saying, okay, get ready, write this down. Because Matthew took notes on everything. He was like very um, specific. I almost feel like he had like a, like Asperger's or something. Like he had that like gifting of being just like so out of this world smart and a little like quirky and a little off when it comes to like social skills and personality. And he just, he was the perfect person for Jesus to use. And he said, he said, Matthew, stop being a tax collector. Stop using your gift in this like greatness with like numbers and math and, and record keeping. Stop using it for the world and come use it for me. And so he would journal and he would write down the thing. So he told Matthew, come with me. We're going to write the, we're going to write this sermon. And he, he started by saying, like, he just started rambling off what God was telling him to say. And Matthew started writing it down. And this is the message he preached and reading Matthew uh, chapters five and seven. It's so imagine this. Jesus is finally ready to say, I am the Messiah. Listen up. He needs to wake people up. There are a lot of people that at this point are living under the rule of religion or following the Pharisees, which are just very religious people. Like they're not focused on the relationship. They're not focused on the miracle. They're focused on the law. Like the law says nobody can do anything on the Sabbath. So you just healed this man. You broke the law. You should go to jail. No, like we just healed a man. The man was paralyzed and now he's walking. And you want to put him in jail because he picked up his mat and walked on the Sabbath? Do you not see the miracle that was performed that this was God? And they are religious people. They're, they are godly people, but they're missing the message. And so Jesus has this urgency of, I need to wake people up. I need to tell them what's happening. And this message is like, people, open your eyes. And he tells them exactly how to live. He tells them exactly what to focus on. The message is still the same 2000 years ago. The message is still the same of how he wants his people to act and how he wants his people to be. So that's why reading the 10 commandments in Exodus 20 will be so good because it's the same thing. It's what the very, very, very beginning with Moses, it's what he told Moses to tell people so long ago. And then you can read again when Jesus comes back and pretty much says the 10 commandments out loud in a different way. And it also confirms what God spoke to Moses and he was etched on stone. It like confirms this, like all these years later, Jesus is saying the same thing that Moses just told this guy or God just told this guy. So it's really cool to see how it's, how it compares. This is how we're called to live. 
we're called to live outside of the light. And if you're being triggered, if things are causing you to live in darkness, that's why I'm such a huge advocate for therapy because I can see the, because you're critical on yourself, you're critical on other people and you're judgmental. You're only critical on yourself because you were raised in a situation where you had to be perfect and you were demanded to be perfect. And so you created this perfectionism and you're really hard on yourself. And so because of how your mom treated you or your dad treated you, or because of your abandonment or something, you built up these walls of protection around you and they're actually triggering you and causing you to act in an ungodly way, which you don't even realize it. So like, I couldn't let go of and, uh, and forgive my father and let go of that grudge, that bitterness. I literally felt it in my heart. If you have unforgiveness for someone, if like, let's say you were cheated on this unforgiveness, like this unforgiveness, it just, you feel it in your heart. Like your heart feels like it's broken. Like it's been ripped out of your chest. Like you just, you can't believe someone did this to you and you can't let it go. And you're so angry and you feel it inside of you when you talk about it, or when someone brings it up, or you're just like, I can't even deal with this right now. Like I'm so irritated. I'm so triggered. This feeling that will go away when you surrender and give it to God. And I did a podcast I did. And I'm just thinking this as I'm talking, cause it really, it really connects it. So there was two of them. The first one was called surrender and actually, I'm sorry. The first one is called surviving and it's episode 58. And the second one was called surrender and that's episode 59. And those go hand in hand. And if you're holding on to this and you know, like Taryn, I need to change. I am so, I have so much bitterness in my heart. I, I gossip and I'm just unloving towards people and I'm irritated with people out in public and I don't act like a Christian and I have this in me and you want to change. You have hate for a group of people. You know that you shouldn't feel this way, but you do. You need to surrender that. You need to give it over to God and say no more. Listening to those two episodes would be so freeing for you, episode 58 and 59, because it really will show you what it takes to go from surviving this life to surrendering and living an amazing, abundant, blessed, fulfilled life. Nothing satisfies like Jesus. Nothing does. And if you've lived a while and you've had to learn that the hard way, like me, where you've tried to go to other things to satisfy you and you realize you can't, I want to make sure that you don't get distracted by the world and just get too busy to come back to God and realize, okay, who am I? What am I created for? And what is this world really about? Because we are a, we are a vapor. The Bible says we are a vapor that is here for a very short while and then disappear from the earth. That is such a, a crazy statement to think of. We are a vapor. Like this doesn't even matter. What really matters while we're here on earth? What is it really about? Because I, I don't know if everyone's like me, but being out in the world is so hard to live a holy life while you're out in the world. It is so hard to keep your eyes focused on Christ. And you know what happened to me when I was gone? Like, I'm a very confident person. 
you can probably tell that, but I'm very confident. I'm very secure in who I am. I, I wasn't always that way. Just a very short while ago, I was not that way. This is very new for me, but I'm very confident, very secure, um, including in how I look, including my body image. Okay. So I like get dressed. I am like, look, love it. This is great. Let's go. Like, I don't ever question. I don't ever sit there and feel like, oh my gosh, I look so fat or how do I feel or how do I look? I have become so insecure by being on this trip that I feel like I need a detox. I don't know what it was. I felt great while I was there, but I was just so concerned with how I looked. I think because everyone there is so concerned with how they look, you're like getting ready to go out and like look your best. And I just was comparing myself subconsciously. I didn't even realize I was comparing myself, but I was. And I was comparing my, you don't ever really compare yourself with people that are, I mean, you do if you're a hypocrite and you're looking at people like, oh, well, I wasn't that drunk or I didn't say that kind of word or I wasn't doing that thing. But a lot of times we compare ourselves to people that are better than us. So when you're comparing your body, you're, you're usually comparing yourself to the person who looks better than you, not the person who looks worse than you even though maybe 90% of people can be heavier than you are, if you're a very thin person, you still are looking at the people that are thinner thinking, oh, look at her. Oh, look what she looks like. Oh, look at that dress. Oh, look at her hair. Look how she's dancing. Look how she's carrying herself. Look at her smile. Look at her. And we do this and it ruins ourselves. It ruins who God says about who we are. And it shifts our focus from Christ onto worldly things. And I came home and, you know, my, and I said, I said this before, my husband loves how I look. He loves it probably too much. And he's like, I'm so glad you're home. Oh my gosh. Like, oh, I just, I just love you being here again. And like, it just, he was just like, so obsessed. And I'm like, you know what? I like feel like I can't even like be around you right now. Like I'm embarrassed of how I look. Like I'm like, I feel like I need to just like put a huge hoodie on. Like I just felt so uncomfortable and unconfident and insecure and in like my normal skin. And that is so not me. And he noticed that and he was like, what is up with you? Like, why are you acting like this? Like, and just from being out in the world and this unconscious subconscious thought that was rolling in my head over and over for four days, like, oh, look at her and you should look like this. And if you look like this, you could wear this or looking at pictures of myself, like, oh, I hate this picture. Like, do you guys do that? Do you look at pictures of yourself? You're like, oh, let's take a picture. And you're like, oh my gosh, never mind. I hate this picture. I look fat, look at my arm, look the way I'm standing, look at my smile. What's that, what's that shadow on my face? My cheeks look so big, my hair looks so flat. That's immediately what you're looking at. And you're just like ripping this picture apart. And imagine what God thinks about us. And God is like, wow, look at that beautiful picture. Look at how beautiful she is. I created her to be like this. And newsflash, it doesn't really matter what you look like, because I'll tell you, I've been about 50 pounds heavier than I am now. And I've been about 50 pounds lighter than I am now. And I have felt the same way body image at every weight. It's still just not good enough. Like even when I was 50 pounds lighter, I still felt like I wasn't good enough. I still felt like I didn't look good enough, that I needed to change stuff about me. Then when I gained 50 pounds, it still was, you know, it was even worse. And it's just like money. Like when I get to a certain point, I'll be happy. No, you won't. When I get to a certain weight, I'll be happy. And you might have a goal. Like I want to tone up. I want to be strong. I want to be healthy. I want to lose 20 pounds. And, and you would be happier, but you're still going to find things that you don't like. 
you're still going to see things in the mirror that you wish weren't there. And once you fix one thing, then you're going to be focused on the other thing. But again, it shifts your focus from God and Jesus and what they want you to do to what the world talks about and conforms and the way your thoughts are. You could be conformed by this world, the patterns of your mind, the patterns of your mind. You're, you're not even consciously realizing you're being conformed, but you are. I feel like this message should almost just be called conformity because that's really what's happening. You go out of your four walls, you go out of what's common or you're watching TV or you're doing things and you're conforming. You're no longer being molded by God, but you're being molded by the world. And I just, I feel so sad when I'm out there for people because it is just such a sad world we live in to live in that constant insecurity and worry and stress and fear and scarcity mindset. And it's scary. We're not in control though. God's in control. He's in control of everything happening. And he's also in control of everything happening on the inside of us with the Holy spirit. If you continue to hold on to this control yourself though, and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in a better mood. I'm going to be in a better mood. I'm going to really try to do this. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. And all you do is consume yourself with trying to be in a better mood. It's not going to work. You have to surrender it and let it go and let the Holy spirit work through you because you will just wake up and be in a better mood, but you have to be focused and you have to be intentional on it or it's not going to happen. Or if you're trying to get something done, like right now, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get really healthy. I have a lot of aches and pains and I just want to be stronger and I want to be a good role model for my kids. And so instead of me trying to do this in my own strength yet again, I am totally giving it to God. I'm going to learn about gluttony. I'm going to learn about obsessing over food. I'm going to learn about fasting. I'm going to learn about what the Bible says about taking care of my body. And I'm going to give it to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray constantly that the Holy Spirit transforms me and changes my habits and makes me want to do different things to take care of this body, this temple that he has given me. This temple that's housing my soul needs to be taken care of. It's not about how thin we are. It's about how healthy we are and how we're taking care of ourselves and doing things that are going to take care of our souls which I did do a podcast called Soul Care, which is just really great. And that was episode 46. So spend some time over the next couple of days really thinking about this and seeing where am I being dishonorable to God? How am I showing things that really aren't Christ-like? Is it in my attitude in public with strangers? Is it in my house? Is it in my career? Is it in my health? Is it in my finances? Where is it? Pray that the Holy Spirit exposes this and just make sure you're intentional. I'm focusing on this every single day. That's why I said, write it down because you can see it in front of you. And if you say it, if you read it out loud, you're now going to think it, you're going to say it and you're going to hear it. So it's going to work three times more. So don't be down on yourself. If you're like, wow, that's awesome. Thanks for the pump. I'm a hypocrite now. (laughs) We all are. And now that you know why you could be, you can kind of weed out some of these areas and stop comparing yourself, start extending more grace and forgiveness, let go of pride and stop judging and labeling other people and focus on Christ and yourself and everything will fall into play. Now, those two homework things were Exodus 20 
and Matthew five through seven. So read both of those as your homework, even write them out, put them in front of you so you can see them, put them on your fridge so your family can see them. And you'll start to see this change over time. So thank you for being here live. All of you guys that were on, I love you all. Thanks for supporting. And hopefully I'll see you back here on Wednesday. And I hope you have a great day. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. Help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own. We know we cannot do this on our own, although we try. Please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much in Jesus's holy name. Amen. Have a blessed day. Thanks for being here. Oh, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi so that you can grow with me and you can learn how to get out of the valley, how to stay out of the valley and exactly what to do to have the best life ever in 2022.